Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast. This last week, we were privileged to have Glenn and Brenda Grove with us talking through their story, talking about singleness, talking about God's timing, and we hope that you learn a ton through it, whether you're single or not. So go ahead and tune in to last Tuesday's message. If we have not met yet, my name is Evan, and I get the privilege of being the college and young adult pastor here. So please, if you're new, come and introduce yourself. A couple things that I just want to put on your radar. We don't have a ton of announcements, but we do have a couple. First of all, if you are new, we have a connect table out in the lobby. That's a great place to find out what's going on at CAM. Uh, If you fill out a connect card, it gives us the opportunity to get in contact with you and get you plugged in in any in every way possible. So please fill out a connect card if you have not done that yet. Secondly, this Friday night in here, we're having a movie night. And uh, it's just gonna be super simple. We're gonna do uh, movie theater popcorn, candy. We're gonna put in a bunch of comfortable seating. We're just gonna watch a movie and hang out and chill. So we hope that you guys would come. It's free. So come, invite your friends, 6.30, and uh, it's gonna be a blast. And so if you follow us on social media, we're gonna start throwing up some polls on what movie maybe people want to, to watch, probably like Crazy Stupid Love or some other chick flick. Um, I'm kidding. Nobody, okay, it's fine. <laughs> But hey, tonight we're really excited. This is going to be our third installment in this Loveology series that we've been walking through. The first week, Larissa and I got to talk about marriage. Last week, Greg and Aaron McCall got to talk about sex, and it was absolutely incredible. And this week, we're going to talk about singleness. So we have uh, Glenn and Brenda Grove. Glenn is our missions pastor, and Brenda is on our women's ministry team. So I want to invite them up, and we're going to talk through this idea of singleness. Kind of a tight squeeze, sorry. Well, thanks for being here, you guys. And uh, if you guys uh, haven't been here the last couple weeks, there's a number on the TV. If you have any questions at all, you can text the Google Voice number. It's anonymous. If you have any questions about singleness, please feel free to text that throughout service. And at the end here, they're just going to kind of tell their story. So unlike the last couple weeks, we're going to have a lot of time for Q&A. And so please send in text. So the first thing that I just want to do is pray, and then uh, we'll jump in. Sound good? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we're so thankful for the opportunity to be with you. And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would invade this place. Lord, as we we talk about the season of singleness, Lord, it's something that that so many people in here struggle with or are in, whatever it may be. Lord, would you just use this time to speak to them and uh, just impact with them in the way that, that only you can do. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. So to start, what I would love is for you, they're hot. Yep. She's a professional beatboxer. Don't get her flossed. in the house. <laughs> Comedic relief right here. Uh, so to start, what I would love is for you guys just to tell your story. So however you guys want to do that, the, the short version, the long version, we're, we're here for it. Well, we, uh, the reason why he asked us to speak on singleness is because we were single for a very long time. So we're going to tell you about the dating habits of really old people and how <laughs> not to do this. No. Um, We, for a variety of reasons, our stories are different. Uh, We didn't grow up around each other. I grew up in the Holy Land, uh, Kenai and Soldatna in Alaska. And uh, she grew up in the States. But I I grew up in the woods. I did not have the faintest idea how to talk to women folk. Scared the pee out of me, actually. Um, And uh, in fact, one time I was not terribly far from here. I was about 19 years old and I was in a pub with a bunch of friends. And this amazingly hot woman walked in. It was like when the when the record player stops, you know. It wasn't every, me. Yeah, every every guy looked, and she came over to. She looks in, and and it was on a Friday night in a college town, and she looked out. And she walked over to the table that my friends and I were sitting at, and she leaned across the table and asked if I'd like to dance. And this was my. No, ma'am. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and all of my friends looked at me like, how retarded are you? And, and she said, I can teach you. And I was like, oh, okay. Took her about half a song to realize that not even she could teach me. And I, I, but so I just had a lot of uh, insecurities, and I did, really did. I just grew up in the woods in Alaska. And I graduated from high school, graduated from college. And I, I dated, um, and I made a lot of... I, I dated a, 
some remarkable women and some uh, disasters. And I uh, <laughs> did some uh, good things, and I did some things that I uh, wouldn't do again. And I got to the place, though, where I was so... When I say old, I met Brenda Lynn when I was 36, I think. And I found myself, uh, after lots of fits and starts and not doing things well, but doing things increasingly well. I'm a slow learner. Uh, I made a lot of changes in my dating, but was single for quite a long time. And, I, you know, um, you have those things where you wonder, am I broken? Am I not handsome enough? Am I not rich enough? Did I... Is there some secret sin in my life? Did, you know, so I asked myself all those questions, and I found myself at a conference in Florida. I was at a four-star hotel. Um, everything was paid for. I had a couple of days before and a couple of days after the conference. I thought, this will be a blast. And I'm in Florida, and I, it was miserable. I realized all I knew, I'd, I didn't take any work with me intentionally, um, and I just realized, I don't even know how to have fun. I, I'm here in the middle of what should be a blast, and I don't even know how to have fun. And so I started thinking about that, and I realized that every good thing in my life, I started thinking about what are the things that I would look back in my life and say were just, I was blessed with an amazing family. I had a great set of friends. I had all kinds of things, uh, uh, an upbringing that I wouldn't trade for anything. And I realized that the common thread through all of those was that I hadn't earned, found, or discovered any of them that God had given them all to me. And so I thought, why would I pursue a relationship any different? I'd been completely unsuccessful at that point. I actually botched it quite badly. And, uh, and so I, um, I sat there in Florida, and I just thought, I, I need a tutor I don't know how to have fun. I'm not particularly a fun guy, and I don't know how to have fun. And so I thought, Lord, I, send me a tutor. And so I'm going to approach this a whole different way. I'm going to ask you to find who and what I need and send it to me. And so I started praying. And I prayed that prayer, like, regularly through the day for about two weeks. And um, I, at the time, I was running uh, English language camps in communist countries. It was a way to get in and we would take the camps and we would seed them with Christians from the underground church in these countries. And then, uh, and then I would bring people from the states to be the teachers and we would gang up on these uh, communist uh, pagans. <laughs> and we would uh, we'd just uh, share the love of Jesus with them. It was amazing. We got church plants that came out of it, all kinds of great stuff. But uh, after about two weeks of praying that prayer, uh, this woman walked into my office and I thought, Dear Lord, pick her, you know. And, and so we, we had this conversation. She wanted to go to Vietnam. And so, and I was just, and so I was interviewing her. Um, and I just thought, she, you know. I passed the test. <laughs> where, where I was not particularly fun and didn't know how to have fun even in fun places, she told me some stories that were just, they were horrible stories. And she had me laughing, talking about, bad thing. I couldn't take good things and make them fun. She took hard things and made them hilarious. We, we just sat there and laughed. I hadn't laughed like that in a long time, and I just thought, wow, that's pretty special. Want me to keep going, or you want to? Uh-oh, deer in the headlights. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, let's see. I, you know, my background is different, and I was a late bloomer to um, becoming a Christian, and had uh, some really poor relationships and that heartbreak and uh, mostly just a lot of fear, I think, and, and insecurity. And it always felt like there was one common denominator in a failed relationship, and that was me. And so uh, I didn't know any other way to look at that. And then, um, and so my MO is if the going gets tough, I get going. So I relocate geographically or emotionally. So shut down, or uh, just move. And um, I then I had became a Christian and uh, had a huge timeout. It's like, okay, no, never having a relationship again, which later the Lord showed me, uh, you told me you'd give me everything. And it's like, oh, wow, that was tough. So learning to be emotionally available was actually a real challenge for me. 
like being having a heart that was open and willing and exposed. So. Well, so we it was kind of. Uh, oh, actually, can I share? Yeah. So I was at the place of um, yeah. I had reached a place like okay, Lord, I I do want to give you everything, and that's when uh, I was at a small church and he was at a big church and. Man, missions really was tugging on my heart. So that's how I ended up. So missions, for those of you who are single, that's how you find that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so uh, Brenda uh, and her boyfriend came into my office. And because, um, yeah, yeah. So it gets, uh, uh, so in fact, at one point, have you ever had that experience when I've heard of this as the only time in my life this ever happened? I've heard of it. I read, you know, like it's it's like in bad sitcoms and that. But it, we, it actually happened to me. We were sitting there, and I had, I had no idea what was going on in their lives. I didn't invite her to my office because I thought, let's get married. And I was just trying to interview her for these mission trips. And, um, and we were doing some pretty tough stuff in communist countries. And so I wanted her boyfriend there so that we could talk about what to expect. What are the risk factors? What's going on? And so um, we're talking, and I remember I'm looking at her, trying not to stare. And I'm looking at him, and I said, I want your girlfriend and, um, and, and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh. And I thought, okay, if I don't get slapped or they don't get up and leave my pastor's office that I'm in, I, I, then I didn't say that out loud. And they just kept going on. And I just like, oh, dear Lord, thank you. Um, but uh, it was... Fine point. So it makes sense. So yes, with a boyfriend. But I had come to a place where um, everyone was worried about me. Right. I'm 34 years old. It's like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you dating anyone? So there was finally a Christian man that was just like, okay, I'm in. And it was really just all wrong. So uh, nice person, but. I guess I just want to say that. It's like, hold out. Don't peer pressure. My mom wanted to set me up with a guy who lived in a van who was smoking three packs a day and was roofing the house. I'm like, mom, no. <laughs> so the other option was this nice Christian boy. That, <laughs> that, is, that is the upside. If you wait until... So we, I was 39 when we got married. Your parents, all your friends, everybody, they don't care who it is at that point. <laughs> yes! You, at, at our wedding... You know, they say that you send out your invitations and you can expect about 30, 35% attrition. We had about 110%, 100 and something. I mean, nobody could believe it was really true. They all had to come and they brought friends and so. But so we, um, we didn't, I thought she was dating somebody. So we just. Um, and I broke up that day. Yeah, Not I didn't know that. Because of him. But I was like, okay, this is yeah. silly. So. Uh, but it was interesting for a variety of reasons. She had to keep coming back to the church to pick some things up. And then we would find ourselves sitting there talking. And we would talk for, you know, sometimes hours. And uh, one day, uh, I we talked for a while. And I said, hey, I'm going to go grab something to eat. Would you want to get a bite? And she said, yeah. And I had ha carried something out to her truck for her. And... It was like, oh man, she had a she had a rifle in the back of her truck. I thought, Lord, I mean, what a woman, you know. And and so uh, she said yes, and so I said, well, I gotta put some stuff away. I'll be right back down. So I went back up, and I thought, what the heck are you doing? You just asked somebody else's girlfriend out for dinner. And so I came back down. I said, listen, I'm sorry, uh, that, that that was bad form. I, I apologize. We we can't go have dinner. And she said, why? And I told her she. Said, I broke up with him weeks ago. I said, okay, let's go. That's right. so, so we, uh, we just started um, spending time together, the kind of normal course. We did some things that were probably uh, a little different. At this point in our life, we, um, I, I had the benefit of growing up in a Christian household. So there were a lot of things that had kind of established some boundaries for me in dating up to that point. But I had found that, you know how, I mean, I'm sure none of you are like this, but we, I would establish boundaries. Like if this is the boundary and like I didn't touch, 
you know, and I'm going over the line, and but not touching, and I'm okay. And so before I had met Brenda even, I had decided that I the boundaries had to be closer for me. So I, I told Brenda, I said, uh, I called her, I was going to say babe. I didn't call her babe until after we were married. But I said, I said, Brenda, I said, I, um, I'm not going to kiss anybody until the day I'm married. And, um, and it, that's not something that I would say, I would never say this is what people should do. I'm just saying this is what I needed to do. And I wanted her, um, I wanted her involved in that decision, but it was really something that I had to say. I had just realized by that point in my life that this train doesn't have any brakes. So why get it going if you can't take it to the station, right? <laughs> I mean, do we use euphemisms? Here? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, so it just it just didn't make any sense to me um, because I, I, there it's not that um, I think it's because I had by this point in my life I had watched and seen I had grown up and seen that uh, there's there's heavy heavy prices to pay that uh, far outweigh the um, the momentary uh, advantages of not drawing those kind of boundaries. So again, I'm not here, I hope you hear me, I'm not here saying don't kiss anybody to get married. I'm saying that that's what I needed to do and Brenda was willing to follow my lead in that. So. I can add to that 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 was actually really um, safe. It was, I was surprised. I'd never had anyone take that kind of leadership and those are really extreme boundaries. They seem like, like are you kidding? But, so this is gonna sound super corny. But having, having that kind of um, safety has done an, an incredible amount, I think, in our marriage for trust. And it, uh, I know I am going to sound like a cornball, but when he would, like, touch my cheek, I'd be like, ooh. It was so, because they were so, such tight boundaries that literally, like, a hand, I, I don't know, I felt like I was in the 40s or something, <laughs> holding hands with, like, you know, like that, that little schoolgirl, and, and not having um, that kind of boundary before. So it, it was actually restorative for me. I, I think it does good things for us now, too. I was talking with somebody the other day. They were in a situation that had gone sideways, and I remember thinking, you know what? If somebody came and told my wife that they saw me kissing on some girl out behind, she would just laugh at them. It's like he didn't even kiss me when we were there's there's absolutely no way in the world that that's true and and I think that that I wouldn't trade anything for that kind of trust level that we have and share now so anyway um, th so that we did kind of right for us um, I, I was a lousy date for a long long time every woman's dream of course is to wait until you're find some 37-year-old guy, and then date for, like, ever, right? So. No, he was a great date and had, you know, I, I know one of the things you talked about was chivalry and had lots of, um, was super kind. He's way more romantic than I am and would uh, bring cards and flowers when I'd go somewhere. I'm like, oh, man, but for me still, I was actually still waiting for uh, the other foot to drop. It's like, okay, this isn't going to last um, was actually pretty certain of that. So that was a real battle for me to not want to run. And Jake actually just talked about the scripture, that one that's like, okay, Lord, help me. I really want to trust you. Not in the outcome. I mean, of course, we all want to guarantee, right? But I really wanted to be free with my heart. And um, so I think it's First John 4, 18, perfect love casts out all fear. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'll stay. And um, regardless of the outcome, which was really challenging because we did yeah. date for a long time, it felt like. And then we broke up. Yeah, twice. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, and not, like, uh, not like junior high breakups, like, oh, I'll see you after school. We can get back together. No, I mean, we had, uh, uh, we broke up. Uh, for quite a while, and then... And there, it was no fight or anything. No. It was just that um, Glenn was ultimately yeah, uh, scared. I was. Uh, yeah. uh, 
uh, I, I was like a little boy, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, I loved the... So here's the thing, and maybe some of you are like this, and I think some, I think this is a guy thing, and honestly, I think I was ahead, I think I was a millennial before they were even born. Um, I, I think that sometimes it's not... Without the skinny jeans. Yes, yes, nobody wants to see me in skinny jeans. Um, Careful. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I would, if I thought it would get me on the worship team, I would do it. But, it would. <laughs> so... Um, I, it's not that I was bad at commitments. I was really good at them. That's why I didn't want to make them. Um, I, I think millennials are awesome at commitments. I think um, it's hard to make them, but I think as a general rule, it's part of their culture, your culture maybe, to say that you keep them. And so um, I came from a generation where people got married. Uh, to my classmates, I grew up in a tiny town in Alaska. My classmates all married each other within a couple of years of getting, I, literally there were 13 in my class and they all just hooked up and married each other. Um, and then I just wandered around the world. And, um, I, but I think, uh, I was afraid of commitment. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but, um, because I knew there would be no change, no going back and I I just really I loved a lot of the stuff I was able to do as a single person and so uh, to be honest it it was really selfish I hate to say it but a lot of it was rooted in fear and selfishness which are not great ways to make decisions Mm -hmm. but and I was afraid of investment so I um I did but I always felt like, oh, guard my heart, guard my heart. But what I really was trying to do was prevent my heart from feeling what I already did. So it was total denial. And and the Lord wanted me just to give it all to him to trust him with that. And that's, you know, there's that balance of being wise and not fearful. You know, and that, that was a tough balance for me to find. So we got back together and uh, dated for another year and one night Brenda looks at me and I was over at her house and uh, what are we doing here son (laughs) you know um, where where are we going and um, which is a really valid question ladies I hope Um, I those are good questions Um, and I realized that I I didn't have an answer. There wasn't, uh, what I absolutely knew is that not, that night I can't say, yeah, let's do this thing. You know, I, it, it sucked. I, I, I mean, I will never forget that night when Brenda's sitting on the floor crying and me tore up but can't, I couldn't man up. And, uh, and I don't mean it like, in that situation, that's always the response. But in that situation, I I couldn't do that. And so I got in my truck and drove home. And we I didn't see her again. We, for months, um, she uh, was teaching school. And she f- finished her school year. I was pastoring and kept, um, uh, kept doing the stuff that I was supposed to be doing and um but I kept having these I was unsettled and I kept I believe it was the Holy Spirit dealing with the fear the insecurities the things in my life that really needed to be dealt with and it was painful soul-searching time and uh, one Sunday after about four months um our senior pastor spoke uh on moving from fear to faith and I sat there, and I just thought, wow, that's powerful stuff. And so I, at, right after service, I found a friend of mine. His name was uh, Narendra Lochan, still is. And uh, he, uh, East Indian guy, he was born in Trinidad. Uh, when he got to be about 23 or 24 years old, he thought it was time for good uh, Christian young man to be married so he went to his dad and said dad I think it's time that I get married so his dad got on the phone called his uncle in Punjab which is one of the northern states in India 
Um, and my friend Narendra, he got on an airplane. He flew to Punjab. Uh, his uncle met him at the airport. On the way home from the airport, he took him by the houses of three uh, Christian families. Uh, the next day, he prayed over it, made a decision, uh, met with the gal, and the following day, they got on an airplane and flew back to Trinidad and got married. Um, and... Uh, and I had known him for a while, and he, by at this point, they had been married for quite a while. They had three stunningly beautiful, just fun to be around daughters. Um, their household was just decent and in order. It was one of those houses where you just kind of relax when you get in. Do you know what I mean? When you visit people and you think, this is home. This, I think this is what God meant when he created family. It was that kind of a place. And, and I, but it had always bugged me because it always, I thought, now that just doesn't, that seems too out there. But I begin to realize that Narendra Lochan had made a decision from the neck up that he was going to love this woman and he was going to be committed to her and that they were going to raise a godly family together. And they did. And, you know, I had all these questions and all these fears and I'm thinking, I think I'm making more of this sometimes than it really needs to be and so my mom had been trying to touch base with me for a while and so I went uh, to see my parents that Sunday uh, right after service I called them and they said yeah come see us and my mom who my both of my parents I just love the Lord and everything for them is rooted in scripture absolutely everything when I was a little boy uh, she, I would do something wrong and she said Glenn what did you do and I would say, and she'd say, what did scripture say? And I would say, well, the Bible says this. And okay, then we're going to have to deal with that. You know, so everything went back to scripture. So I showed up at the house. She had a, uh, a big uh, legal yellow pad. And she just started going through scriptures and talking about things that, about Brenda and about the promises of God and the things that she had seen in me. All of my friends, every single, without exception, every single person that knew me and that had known Brenda thought I was a complete moron. It's like, dude, you waited forever. God finally sent you the best woman on the planet and you broke up. Wow. You know? Um, and so, but my mom said that, but in a nicer way and with scripture, right? And so, um, so while she was talking, this went on for a couple hours, I actually stood up and she and dad looked at me. She said, are we done? And I said, yeah, I said, I think so. I said, I think I know what I need to do. And uh, they said, what? I said, I'm, I'm going to go find Brenda. She said, well, hold on a minute. You're going to need this. And she went and left the room and she came back and uh, her wedding ring had broken uh, years ago. And, uh, and they had saved up money, and Dad finally bought her a nice uh, big ring. And then uh, when she met Brenda, uh, she went and had that old, her original wedding ring uh, repaired. And so she, <laughs> so, so she uh, gave me this ring. And, um, and then, but now I have no idea where Brenda even is. I had heard that she was in Montana. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, because um, on, on, when we broke up, I, my part was that it, I felt really, not only did I feel really badly, but it, it actually wrecked me. It just yanked the carpet out from underneath me because I felt um, not only, mostly because I felt re loved really, really well by Glenn. And um, it, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I, I actually went into a, a, a spiritual crisis ultimately because I had felt loved so well by this man that um, when he broke up, I was like, oh my goodness, I was such a fool. I thought that I recognized love and, and that I knew what it was. Like, I, I, it's like, wow, I let myself go there. And it, I felt completely deceived and, and foolish. And what it did was it challenged um, wrongly. It allowed a door for the enemy to come in. It's like, oh, you don't know what love is at all. You have no idea what the times where I felt like where God had spoken to me um, washed away. It's like, oh, that was a lie. You know, I felt like I, I felt like I knew what love was from um, the Lord and all of that. It's like, wow, maybe that was all just me being really needy. Because ultimately, when I was in this relationship and I let my heart go there, it's like, oh, no, that was just neediness on my part. And 
And, and that is a lie. I mean, he's created us a, a, a for relationship, first with him and then with each other. But it, it just wrecked me. So um, trying to have good discernment with that, and, and where I lived was actually the Psalms. It's like, you know, boy, you heal the brokenhearted, I'm ready. And I really struggled with uh, gratitude. It's like, okay, I'm trying to be content in all things. And, and not trying to misapply that, it's like, really, I want to find contentment in this. But I felt so removed, that whole on the desert island, where are you, Lord? Because I need to know more than ever now who you are and the reality of your love. Uh, and I, the Lord gave me a picture, a sense of how badly I had hurt Brenda. It had never been my intent, but I was selfishly focused on myself. And when I had this revelation of moving from fear to faith, all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, I, I have to have seriously wounded Brenda's heart. And I just started praying. I mean, I, I prayed this prayer probably thousands of times for the next few days. I said, Lord, preserve her heart. Lord, preserve her heart. And Oh, because they don't know where it's... Um, I'm going to tell them. What? They don't know what? When I left. Oh, well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that I had, uh, when we when we broke up, so there was about four months, was yeah, it? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, like four months or so. That was just like this really lonely time crying out to the Lord. It's like, okay, I know that the Lord's promises are true and that his word is true. So it's like, I'm in. Let's let's do this and having the uh, let's uh, ready to have a hand to hand with the Lord uh, wrestle and it's like uh, I'll be like Jacob I don't care if I walk away with a limp I don't walk, care if I walk away uh, dead I just need to know who you are really so um, after the school year got out I got in my Jeep and actually I was in Washington and actually drove to Glacier Park and just it's like brought some camping gear and. I'm camping out till we show till you show up. So just had some yeah. Well, so I I didn't know that. I, I had heard that maybe she had gone to Montana. And so I checked with friends and the best guess that any of them had was uh, that she had a friend in Sealy Lake. And so I decided um, you know, like like a guy, right? Like I, uh, I'm the center of the universe, and if I decide, that's how it'll be, you know. So, anyway, not very bright, but I decided that um, there was no way in hell I was leaving Montana without her. You Once just I got, said hell. There's you, no way you should have heard like Greg said last week. It's yeah. <laughs> Greg said far worse. So, so I, uh, I, um, I thought I'm not leaving without her. And I'm, once I find her, I'm not coming back all the way to Washington in two cars. So I started hitchhiking uh, from the coast. And uh, I, the first day, I made it to this side of the 4th of July Pass. And I slept on the side of the road. I could not get I walked 11 miles and finally in the dark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so... Um, I just thought, I, 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 anyway, so I just, I slept on the side of the road and uh, got up in the morning and just kept hitchhiking. Got to Sealy Lake and um, not a very big town. I know, I'm sure some of you guys have been there. And so uh, I'm just looking for a red Jeep. And uh, so I kind of positioned myself at the, at one of the main intersections in town and just sat there and watched and watched and watched and for a day two days, I think on the third day, um, uh, a car pulls over and the window rolls down and the woman sticks her hat out and says, Pastor Glenn, what are you doing in Montana? I'm like, oh, <laughs> looking for a woman. <laughs> and they, they're like, what? I said, oh, I didn't really want to tell anybody. I said, well, listen, I've got a ring. I'm looking for Brenda, who they knew. Everybody knew Brenda. And uh, and they were just galvanized. They said, oh, 
we, I told them what was going on, and they said, we're here for a family reunion. And they said, here, hop in the car. So they spun around. Um, we went back to the cabin that they were staying at, and they got out, and they said, we have a bunch of cars here. Take ours and go, go find her. So I, I drove all around, and I'm just looking for a red Jeep in Montana. It's a big state, it turns out. <laughs> and uh, so I'm looking all over, and I can't find her. So I come back. They said, well, take the car the next day. So I do the same the next day. So now I'm about five days into this uh, quest. And I had told the senior pastor um, that I would said, I'm leaving. I'm going to Montana. I don't know when I'm coming back. And I told him what I was doing. Of course, again, everybody loved Brenda. Everybody thought I was retarded. And so they're all like, please go fix this, you know. Um, and so uh, that second night after I had met them, uh, this guy said to me, he said, I was praying today, the guy that loaned me the car. He said, I was praying today, and I think God told me. He Actually, that's not what he said. I'm trying to soften it. He said, God told me that she is in Glacier National Park. And I'm thinking, yeah. You know, and so, but I thought, whoa. So I went to bed, but while I'm laying in bed, I thought, what do you have to lose? You're driving all around, you know. And so I, uh, I set my alarm, and I rolled out of bed at about five in the morning, and uh, hit my knees and just said, "I, this is crazy, Lord. I'm, this is a big state. I'm looking for a girl. I don't even know if she's in this state. This doesn't work, apart from you." And so I, I stood up, got in the car, and just started driving north. And I finally got to the gates of, of uh, Glacier, and they wanted $10 to get in. And I said, heck no, I'm not paying $10 to get in. And so I turned around, and I'm driving away. I drove about a mile, and it's like the Lord's saying, are you kidding me? <laughs> How cheap are you? $10. Somebody told you she's in. I'm like, okay. So I circled back around. And uh, pay the $10, grumbling. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that she wasn't worth the $10. It was that I just didn't believe. I just, like, I, I can be looking in lots of places. And so I got in, and if you guys have been there, you know, you come in and the road tees. And then you have to make a left or a right-hand decision. I got the map out, and there's a whole bunch of campgrounds to the left, and there's a whole bunch to the right. And so I turned left, and then I thought, no, no, that's not no, no, she would have gone the other way. Well, I, I don't know what I even based that on. So I turned back around and went right. Well, so on these main roads, they've got all these campgrounds with these like clover leaves that go out and loop. I, I wish I were kidding you, um, but uh, I'm in this borrowed car and I'm drifting around the corners in this <laughs> because uh, my fear is that as soon as I pull off the main road, she could just drive by if she actually really is in here. So I'm like, I literally, there were like women grabbing their kids and picking them up and, and I would get, well, so then something else. I, I grew up in Alaska. I've hitchhiked uh, all, all around the globe, tens of thousands of miles. And, uh, and I've always been grateful for rides. So whenever I'm driving, I just, unless I've got Brenda in the car with me. I pick up a hitchhiker. I don't care what they look like, where they're going. So it's just like ingrained in me, right? But I'm in a hurry. So I'm going, oh, there's a hitchhiker. Dang it. Okay. So I stop. Get in, you know. And they're like, what? what? Get in. And so I take off. And then we get in, and I get to the first campground, and I'm doing the same thing. Boom, you know. And they're like, they're holding on, you know. And I said, okay, here's the deal. This is what's going on, you know. Well, I only had to tell that story once because, of course, there's lots of backpackers, right? So I pick up another backpacker, and they're, going, and they're like, whoa. And then so the first one tells the second one, this is what's going on. So they're like, okay. So now everybody's looking for a red Jeep. And so we just keep going. And, and the, pretty soon the car is literally completely full. And I drop one off and pick another one up, and we're just roaring through here. So finally, and I wish I could remember the names, but we get up to the highest peak where then it starts. Starts to drop. Going to the Sun Highway, is that what it is? Yeah. Something like that? So, um, and I, I, there's only two campgrounds after that. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. Am I? <laughs> Go ahead. So, in the meantime, well, while he is in Sealy Lake, so, he's, so this is all happening. Simultaneously, I'm in Glacier. Uh, camping out, no tent, almost hoping bears eat me. I don't care. <laughs> I was just at a spot. It's like, okay, Lord, I need you to show up. Really struggling with 
wanting to have an encounter and um, gratitude. And it was so cool because when I um, pulled into Glacier, it's like, I mean, I mean, how do you not have gratitude, right? It's just like all creation cries out his name. It's just like, oh, man, thank you. And started going on some hikes. And it's scary because I'm not a singer. And praise was just coming from me. So that was so encouraging to have a broken heart and have the Lord just show up. And I felt completely released. And there was a place where I was um, hiking. And, and this was happening. So I was there for three days when he's actually in Sealy Lake in three days. And God's timing was just so great. Because if, if he would found me earlier, I wouldn't have had this encounter that the Lord knew that I needed. And, and so, um, hiking and praising and, uh, and I'm, it's not like I'm always a spiritual, you'll never see me hiking and singing at the same time <laughs> and you'll be thankful. So, uh, anyway, there was a place though. I just felt like, um, okay, Lord, I, I do need you to touch my heart and how, can, um, I am, and I just hit this really real state of repentance too. It's like that, Lord, I am so sorry for, sometimes I choose sin. I mean, I absolutely, it's like kind of in your face and, and Lord, I'm so sorry. How, and really struggling with this love, how can you love me, uh, when I break your heart? And, and he spoke to me so clearly then. He's like, Brenda, I love you with a broken heart the same way that you love Glenn with a broken heart. And it was liberating. Just like, oh, my goodness. Uh, thank you. Lord, thank you. And, um, and, and some, sometimes I just remember that and st still can bring me to tears. And it's like, okay, Lord, great. You know that Glenn wanted to be married. Will you bring him I felt released. It was the most freeing moment of my life. Okay, I need you to heal my heart, but I want you to heal his. He wants to be married. Bring him a wife who will love him, stand behind him, um, be able to walk beside him, with him. I had no idea that it, I mean, it, honestly, it feels like this prophetic prayer over myself. You know, it's like, so, and what a call for me to be that woman that I'm still working to be. You know, it's not like I'm there, but it's, it's, it's the goal. And uh, so then, then I just had these crazy hiking experiences and being able to, sh yeah, everyone on the trail then from then got to hear about Jesus and Glenn. <laughs> and, then, and then later it's like, oh yeah, there was this guy, we're broken up, but Jesus loves me, you know, <laughs> that's kind of how it ultimately <laughs> felt. And so, um, and so then, yeah, on my last day, I went to go hiking on, on like the third day and it's like, uh, woke up in the morning and was just sleeping, um, ultimately, I guess, in a field, <laughs> and, and was going to go on a hike, and uh, thought, no, I just was so grateful. It's like, Lord, no, thank you. I will do whatever. If you want me to stay in this park forever, I will. If you want me to go back to teaching, I will. If you want me to go be a missionary full-time, I'm in. Whatever you have, I'm in. It's just like, but no more relationships. It's like that whole, uh, hello, okay, yeah, 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 whatever. Whatever you have for me. Okay, I'm open to relationships, too, but um, it was the last thing that I had ever thought. I, I mean, then I thought, oh, I, Paul and I, right? So, yeah, so Paul's going to be my brother. Well, so during, so I, I'm looking for her while she's going through all of that, and I'm hauling around hitchhikers, right? And so I, I get to the top, and there's only two campgrounds left, and I thought, this is dumb. I got two campgrounds in front of me, I've got all the ones on the left when you first come in the gate that I haven't been to statistically. This doesn't make any sense. I'm going to turn around. But I had one hitchhiker left. And he's like, dude, are you, I've got to get to this last campground. And I've only got this much time. They're going to close. I've got a reservation, but I have to be there by this. And he's going on and on. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't care. That's not part of it. And he's like, please, please. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me. So I said, OK. So I, we head down. And I get, it's like 15 miles, 10 miles, I don't remember, miles to this to the next campground. And I get in, and now I'm just in a routine, right? And y you know where you just don't expect anything. And I'm driving, I do the loop, nothing. Do the, This one had three loops, I think. I do the next one, nothing. I do the next one, nothing. Whoa, there's a red Jeep. There's Brenda. She's sitting on her sleeping bag with her Bible open doing devotions. And she looks up and she looks right at me. And I thought, oh, crap. And, and so... <laughs> 
I. But I was free. It's like Glenn yeah. was not in my mind anymore, and yeah. you were in a different car. Yeah, and and I'm. But this whole time, I've just been praying, Lord, preserve our heart, preserve our heart, preserve our heart. So I've got this hitchhiker here, right? That's not very romantic. Hey, you want to walk? And so I'm like, I go out to the highway. And uh, I open up the door, and I run, he's looking at me, and, and I open up. I start, he's got fishing poles. I'm just grabbing it all, throwing it out. And he gets out, and he says, this is, this is the end of your ride. And uh, I get back in. I go back around, and she's gone. And I, I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. Her Jeep is there, but she's gone. And I knew that she had looked right at me. I, I had about three days going on a no shower, so there was a <laughs> little hand pump out the back. Well, so I, I just think she saw me. She's furious, which she had every right to be, and she's gone. And so I thought, okay, everything in me says pick a trail and go find her, you know. But I thought, there's like trails leading out from all over. And so I thought, you know what, her Jeep is here. She's coming back. So I just sat on the... Uh, on a park bench, and I'm just praying, Lord, preserve her heart, Lord, preserve her heart. And uh, so I I waited for a while, and I'm not particularly good at waiting. And so I just started taking little short walks around, and then I saw there was an outhouse down a ways. And so that morning, when I the night before, when I had taken off, the guy who loaned me the car, he gave me a $50 bill. He said, when you find her, because he really believed she was in the park and he said when you find her he said don't ask her to marry you right then he said because you're going to want to go back to wherever you ask her so she said take her to a nice restaurant here's 50 dollars take her to a nice restaurant and ask her there I'm like, hey, he's a married guy that's some good that's good advice okay and it's 50 bucks right so okay <laughs> so i i take the 50 dollars well so now I'm at the campsite, her Jeep is there, and, I, and so I walk down, and um, I'm just walking towards this outhouse, and then I see, oh, there she is. And I see this man walking towards me, and I'm uh, washing my hair, <laughs> and all, all soaped up, and I, I look up, I'm like, oh my, this is the girl side. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is that man doing? And the sun was behind him, so the whole thing's actually really surreal. And it's like, well, who, okay, it, he does not exist. Keep washing your hair. And then, and then I look up again, and you're walking towards me. It's like, oh, my goodness, that looks like, that looks like Glenn Grove. How surreal. And all this stuff is. So I pinch myself like that works. But, you know, you hear about it in the movies. Like, yeah, I'm awake. Wow, that looks like him. He must be here at a mission meeting. He must be here camping. How ironic. How bizarre. So... I walked up, you know that, when you've just been, what? Oh, Glenn Grove, what are you doing here? Well, and and I just, uh, it was like all this time of waiting, and I just said, I said, Brenda Lynn, I said, I've been looking all over for you, and I never want to have to look for you again. And I knelt down and said, will you marry me? And uh, she's nuts, but she said yes. And so... um, (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, and it's pretty much just been bliss every since. But you know, it was I, it, it has been. <laughs> We've been very blessed. That's but when sure. he did that and knelt down and he stood up, it's like I could not believe because I'd been praying the whole time. It's like Lord, I just I really was surrendered, but give heal my heart. And uh, I couldn't believe it when he walked up and did that. I just, the first thing out of my mouth was like, Lord, thank you. This is how you're healing my heart. Unbelievable. You know, I was thinking about something too, uh, Evan, when you said that the topic was about singleness. I had this crazy thing. So we, at that point, we did have two cars until we got back to Sealy Lake. So Brenda got back in her Jeep and I got in my friend's car. And I'm driving, and it's kind of surreal, right? Because we've been dating for, we started dating three and a half years prior to that. And we were, I, I mean, and, and I just asked this amazing woman to marry me, and she said yes. And um, I was. Two and a half, just so there. Two and a half they years. Have more. I, I, I was, um, <laughs> I, I was just right at 39 years old and had been going through this, I, I mean, I've been single for so long. And 
I had this real sensation. I, I'm driving, the sun was out, it was absolutely gorgeous. And I just remember, Evan, I remember the Lord just speaking so deeply into my heart. And it was this flood of just awesomeness. That's a terrible descriptive word, but awesomeness. Of, and I heard the Lord say that, I don't know if I heard him say, but I knew in my heart that not, it wasn't one second too late. That, that, that absolutely none of that time that had all those years of, you know, living on, I'd, I'd left home 20 years before that moment. And um, so 20 years of living on my own and not a moment of it was wasted. Nothing. We have a friend, Randy Remington, and Randy says, um, God is never, ever late. He misses a lot of good opportunities to be early, but he's never late, you know. And um, and that's exactly how this felt. It felt like in an in an instant, all any of the anguish, any of the resentment, any of the loss was so made up for and absolutely worth it. Which I don't know if I could have understood that on the front end. Um, so I don't say that as like, hey, this is great. But but it, for me, it was this incredible milestone of just realizing. God knows what I need, when I need it, how I need it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, you know, for us dating so long, we actually kind of needed a good story that we could go back to mm-hmm. and say, we didn't make this happen. I had no faith that she was in the park. I had none of these things. God, God did this. So when we have difficult times, that we can go back and say, okay, we did not put us together. We didn't orchestrate this. We didn't make it happen. I did lots of things to keep it from happening. But, but God, God allowed us to mm-hmm. be together and made the way for that to happen. And we can go and say, okay, then we better figure this out because this is God's doing and it's not up to us to uh, send it sideways. So. And if it happened any earlier in our relationship too, I wouldn't have had that encounter, <laughs> a deeper understanding of, who, of my identity and, and the Lord. And, and maybe depending on depending on you, depended on you more. I mean, I don't know. Or you know, it would have come at a cost. I mean, God's big enough to do whatever. But it was just so. Yeah. So there you have story it. And Thank you guys. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, I love the way that you guys tell your story because of of all the questions. I'm sitting here going, like, you just answered that. You just answered that. You just answered that. Because a lot of the questions that we have were about God's timing and, and talking about that. And uh, I do want to touch on a, on a couple of these. Uh, one is, as a single person, like, how, in, in that season of your life, how did you combat the loneliness? Like, were there were there practical steps that you took to say, like, hey, no, this is why I'm okay in this season of time? Because I think that, that so many people, and if you guys know Larissa and I started, I haven't been single since I was 16, so I, or, so I don't really know. Um, but, like, so many people are sitting in this stage of, like, I'm single, and this is it, and I'm screwed forever. And that's not the truth, but we allow ourselves to, to hear that. So what did you do practically to, to combat that? Um, for me, I think it was really being involved in community. And um, being able to take risks, too, because a lot of my friends did get married early, and I was the third wheel. But being okay with it, trusting when my friends said, come, to, to come along. And then it, I wasn't the third wheel. I was part of the family in addition. And so absolutely having to fight those lies a lot of times, like, oh, man, or I wish. But being able to um, enjoy where I was. You know, being fully present and being knowing that I was fully accepted. People don't ask you because they have pity. Yeah. I, I wasn't quite that mature. Um, <laughs> I, uh, for me, loneliness loneliness looked like um, it looked like a lot of lies from the enemy. It looked like. Um, like I'd said earlier, not not handsome enough, not smart enough, or and I those twenty years um, before I got married, I spent them jumping trains in South America. I spent them hunting in Alaska. I spent them doing just like adventure stuff, um, and and so I thought there's no way that this is attractive to some. But it's it's kind of a rowdy lifestyle and. Um, 
and I, I just, so loneliness, so here's the thing, I didn't, I don't know that I coped with loneliness so well, and a lot of it was I, I, I actually kind of enjoyed being single, but what I really, what, what really made the difference for me, so this is like really, it's more of a head decision than a heart decision with loneliness, is I actually, um, I, I struggle, I hate to say this, but I looked around at what people, what I saw people doing to combat loneliness, and the fruit of that was, looked worse to me than loneliness. And so I, um, I thought, I don't want that. I don't want any uh, children before I'm married. I don't want a string of broken relations. I, there were all these things that I didn't want, and I watched. I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful. I have kind of an aggressive personality. To want to, I've had these things in my life, surfing, rock climbing, whatever it is that I just go after. I'm so grateful that I didn't turn to alcohol or something like that. But, but part of the reason why is I saw what people did. I think loneliness is a really bad place from which to make decisions. Um, and, and one of the things that I developed was I, I, I watched and I looked around and I thought, I think that there's something very valuable in being able to be on my own. Um, that I think that's a healthy skill set. It doesn't, and this is why I hesitate to talk about it, because I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not saying it's this, you know, refrigerator versus, you know, magnets and posters and all of that sort of thing. But I really think that, I think scripture talks about this. I think it's a valuable skill set to be able to say, I, I, can, I can be lonely and I can be with God, and I can learn and discover things that I'll never know otherwise. Conversely, if I flee loneliness, um, I stand a very good chance, statistically, um, I stand a very good chance of making very poor choices and decisions, and those decisions are worse for me than loneliness. And so, uh, kind of a cerebral uh, approach, and again, I'm not saying that's what sh people should do, but I'm grateful because it kept me from some things that I don't think are very helpful. And I think we both were um, good at being independent too. So, yeah. so getting used to going. So it's not doesn't sound romantic, but I, I'm actually now. I mean, he travels a lot, so I'm fine with going to a restaurant by myself or a movie by myself, and and I can engage with people well too. You know, either have. Um, time alone or just I like to observe and it's not and being okay it's not oh I feel so alone I mean sometimes but not became comfortable yeah. I love it I love it um, so one of the things that we talked about is that the single in the church has kind of become this like dirty word hmm. and and people look at somebody who's single and the first thought is what's wrong <laughs> like mm -hmm. well, why are you single and, and I would say this, I've had conversations with several people in this room who are 19 to 23 and they're like, I'm single, what's wrong? And I'm like, shut up, you're a baby. Um, <laughs> and I, like, I think that like you guys need to hear that too, is like, I love hearing your story because like we look at you and we're like, man, that, like, that's a movie. Like your story is like a movie and you were in your late 30s and you guys have a successful, beautiful marriage and yet there's so many people in here. And I remember being in the same spot like being like, oh, what if like, what if I'm not married by 25? And it's like, then it's over. Mm -hmm. And so, and I don't think the church has done a great job at, at kind of negating that, that idea. And so what, what would be your encouragement to those of us who have been in the church who are single? Like what, what would be your encouragement as far as like, just like culturally and, and from a church perspective, like how, how would you encourage them? I think I tend to be harder on guys than I am on women folk. Um, I have a special heartbreak, actually. I'll probably cry talking about it. But, Evan, I cannot tell you in my life how many young ladies I have known that hit 23, 24 and think that it's over and, and make decisions out of desperation. I'm telling you, Evan, just gorgeous, smart, attractive, godly women who any sensible man would love to be with but because it's not happening in their time frame and i've i've watched them I, I wish i i wish i could erase from my mind some of the things that i've seen happen ladies i, I would just so strongly encourage you can we give advice here 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, ladies, I, I, I couldn't encourage you strong enough. You are so precious in God's sight. And, and to wait, wait. One of, we're schmucks. We, we're complete morons. We are. And, and wait, wait until God brings you a godly man who's moving towards God in this. And, and, and don't shortcut that. Oh, I, it literally, it makes me cry when I think of what we will do sometimes to help God find us somebody, you know? And it's like, it, it's, a, it's a real heartbreak. And guys, we do the same thing. We, we do it differently. It looks dumber, actually, when we do it. But, um, but, but we, we think that we need to short-circuit that. And I think I, the other thing is, um, so in wearing my pastor hat, what an amazing season to be serving God. One of, and in my own life, some of the most fruitful seasons in my life were because I was single. I could be running around Asia and running around Africa and doing things that I couldn't do uh, married as easily. And it's a, it's a phenomenal season of being able to just serve God, pour everything into Okay, Lord, what what do you have for me today? I don't have to uh, make sure the kids are in shoes. I don't have to check with a spouse. I can just say, okay. I can just say, yes, Lord. And so I love this season. I'll tell you what. When I see 24 and 26 and 27 and 34-year-olds that aren't married, I'm like, wow. How many of you guys know Heather Lytle? Heather Lytle is 36 years old right now. Um, she is hitting it out of the park. Would love to be married. And I don't know hardly anybody who's a more fruitful minister of the gospel than she is right now. She is just, it's a phenomenal to see what, how God is using her on multiple continents. And it's just awesome. So I think it's a, it's, it's a great season. If, if somebody's comfortable being single and, and saying, okay, Lord, I'm leaving this in your hands. I, I would love to be married, but it's not, you haven't brought that person to me yet. So mm -hmm. I'm, it's, let's go for it, you know. Mm -hmm. So good. All right, we'll, we'll wrap up. And I, one of the things that, that I want to say is I, I think that's what's really interesting just in every season of time is that we always feel like we want to be in the season that we're not in. And so when you're single, you like you want the white picket fence, you want the kids, you want all of those things. And I'm married. I love Larissa. I love my kids, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But there are aspects of that where I look at somebody who's single or I look at somebody who doesn't have kids, and I'm like, Oh, that would be so. E that would be so much easier. Like that would be so nice. Like to just go. Like if Larissa and I didn't have kids, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I love Maddox and Zara, but we, that's our human tendency. And I think the enemy starts to use that and say, "Oh, like you always want the thing that you don't have until you have that thing, and then you want something else." And it's kind of like when you have like a beat up Camry and you want a Corvette, and then once you get the Corvette, you want a Ferrari. Like it's just like you will always want the next thing. And, and my encouragement to you guys would be just like camp in the season that you're in, Amen. and and like. Glenn said, just let God use that season. And then when he wants to bring you out of it, allow that to happen. But don't, don't fight the season that you're in because there's fruit to be had in it. And so thank you so much for your story. And um, just know these guys are always incredible to talk to. And luckily, they're not from Alaska anymore. They're here with us. And so like, the, it's an amazing thing to, to have these guys on staff and to have them around. So grab them on the weekends. They're always willing to have a conversation with you. Grab them tonight. Make them stay up late. Thanks for being so gracious yeah. to us. Yeah. Would, you guys, you guys. Um, would you guys pray for us? Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll close with prayer. Mm -hmm. mm, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, just for these um, mighty folks of God, Lord. Amen. Father, I thank you that you have a call on each and every uh, one of their lives, Lord. Lord, that you, um, you saw them well before time began. Lord, and I just pray for um, a courage to be vulnerable before you, Father. And as you are um, just molding their hearts, Lord, you're preparing what's next, Lord, whether it's uh, you have the specific person, if they want to be in relationship, or, um, Lord, if you have something other. But we thank you, Father. And may there just be a settledness and a, a peace, Lord, and a joy. Father, I pray you just put a skip in their in their walk, Lord, and that they um, that they know that the Creator of the universe just has them in 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 their grasp, Father. Lord, I am so thankful for the opportunity to uh, sit with these ministers of the gospel tonight. And Lord, I pray that um, your word says that you have uh, prepared good works in advance for them to do. 
And so, Lord, some of those uh, will be single and some of those will uh, maybe be with somebody. But, Lord, we know that you have established things for them to do. And so, Father, I pray for a joy in doing those things. Lord, I pray for teams, uh, teammates, Lord, as they do those things. And, Father, uh, sometimes, uh, Brendan, I know this well, that when we're single, that everybody has... Uh, advice or a plan or something for us. But Lord, I, I would pray that your plan would be uh, prevalent for them. And Lord, I, I would ask that while there's good advice from friends and family, there's nothing like the word of God. And so Father, would you put scripture in them when they're dealing with loneliness, when they're uh, being bombarded by lies from the enemy, when there are circumstances around them that make those lies seem so real. Father, would you bring scripture into their hearts. Lord, would you bring the irrefutable word of the Almighty into their minds, something that they can grab and hold on to. Lord, we speak blessing over them. Lord, and I thank you that uh, the ones that I know, Father, here tonight, I see so much fruitful ministry already happening, Lord, that this isn't a holding pattern or a holding season for them, but they're serving you already. And so, Father, we just uh, together uh, say thank you and amen. Blessings. Amen. Thank you guys Amen. so much. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on Friday night for movie night or next week at College Age. Well, hey, we hope that you got a lot out of this week's message. Glenn and Brenda were so kind and generous to be vulnerable with us, and, and we hope that it was something beneficial for you. We would love to see you on Tuesday nights if that's possible. We meet at 7 o'clock at Faith Chapel, and we would absolutely love it if you'd come be a part of the family, be a part of the community that's being built. But if you can't make it, we totally understand, and we hope that this podcast is something that helps you feel connected, whether you're in Billings, whether you're outside of Montana or at another part of the state. We love you guys, and we hope to see you very, very soon.